0: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the English with Grace podcast. This is a centralized hub for students, teachers, and English language learners to practice their English and listen to the differing opinions of other English speakers. The content and focus of this podcast will vary, And my goal is to introduce listeners to a variety of perspectives, backgrounds, and experiences as we discuss topics that are also presented in my English with Grace conversation classes. So I'm very excited to have you here. I hope you enjoy this discussion. And of course, like and subscribe if you like it. And I look forward to seeing you in some of our upcoming conversation classes. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the English with Grace podcast. Today, we are going to discuss learning languages, and I've invited an expert on the topic. First, we'll start with some introduct- introductions. Excuse me. Uh, if you can give us your name, your pronouns, and then your cultural background and upbringing.
1: So my name is Angèle Preto, and that's a French name. This is my cultural background and upbringing. My pronouns are he, him, and if it's in another language, I go with masculine language. So, you know, in French, we have a lot of like adjectives and nouns you have to gender. So I use the masculine for everything to make it simple. And yes, did I miss something in the question?
0: Uh, No, that's great. Uh, I would like to ask you a little bit um, about what you do. This is why I chose you to come discuss this topic with me. If you wanna share your career and kind of your background in learning languages.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. So, I'm a French learning coach. That is my profession. Um, I have been teaching French overall for 19 years now. And for the past seven years, I've been specializing in teaching French online to English speakers. Not all my clients are native English speakers, but most of them are. Mm -hmm. And so, I specialize really in the differences between French and English and how you can learn between those two languages.
0: Okay. Did you learn both French and English simultaneous simultaneously?
1: No. Uh, French is my native language and I learned English.
0: Okay. When did you start learning English?
1: I guess you can consider I started when I was 10.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, in France at the time, we would start learning English in the last year of primary school. So that makes it 10 years of age, or more okay. or less
0: is that still the case um in france do you start learning english in elementary school or has that changed? yes
1: they they start earlier now uh they start at least two years earlier it depends on the schools a little bit
0: okay and then i think um you mentioned this but where did you say you're at now where do you live
1: i am currently in vienna austria i've been living abroad in german-speaking countries for the past 10 years some germany some austria
0: yeah do you speak german yes okay any other languages had to. that you speak? <laughs> <How> <laughs> I speak two? Spanish.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, in, in France, you have to learn two languages at school. So I learned English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. Germans I had to deal with later. Also, my girlfriend is Mexican. So that helps with keeping Perfect. my Spanish afloat. And I learned Esperanto and Portuguese. And I had been fluent in the past. But if you were to ask me to speak a whole conversation in Portuguese or in Esperanto right now, I would need some warm-up.
0: okay but the other four I I can't (laughs) it. you should
1: start me right away
0: okay wow that's awesome uh okay well I think that you will be the perfect person to interview about learning languages then because you've definitely done it
1: yeah I have done it yes you could argue that I keep doing it every day and most of my work is learning languages because I always find you know little tricks or new english words or new french words even sometimes
0: so. yeah definitely um one more thing before we jump into the questions do you you're a french coach is that your yes. full-time job all day you're teaching french or how does that look
1: well uh it's an online business right okay. so a lot of what i do is not really teaching french but things such as coming on podcasts or writing articles for my blog or making youtube videos and things like that so it's teaching french with a lot of uh i guess different ways of doing it i'm not really teaching french right now but um yeah. the core of my practice is really meeting with my clients either one-on-one or in the group setting and teaching them french yes
0: that's amazing i am trying to learn french anjo so i'll try to uh check out ask your me stuff. anything yeah absolutely <laughs> Okay, well let's go ahead and get started with my questions. Uh, How can I build my confidence in speaking English or languages and overcome that fear of making mistakes?
1: Right, great questions. Uh, The way I see it, it's kind of two different questions. Um, The way that I approach mistakes is that a mistake is an opportunity to learn. So if you are making a mistake, it's a sign that there is something you can learn there. Either it's something you've learned in the past, but it's not quite solidified and you, you you can solidify it, or it's something new that you get a chance to learn. So I like to phrase it like that for, for my students. For example, every week, almost every day, actually, I correct some homework that my students have sent me and I have banned the color red from my corrections for at least the past 12 years, because I realized that if you write things in red uh, on on the the exercises it just immediately means ah this is wrong and this is bad and i don't want to give that impression so all of my observations uh, you know i do it all on google docs because it's online now Mm -hmm. so all of my observations are in purple and i correct mistakes either by striking out or by writing in green uh, the right answer trying to just you know remove the focus from the mistakes but focus more on what you're doing right Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, when you, if you're speaking English at all, most of what you're doing is right.
0: Yes, absolutely. So
1: in any case, like if you had a child and they would do something ninety-five percent correct and five percent not correct, would you be so hard on them for the five percent they did not do correctly? Some okay. people do. It's not a successful uh, upbringing method. No. So don't try not to do it to yourself if you can.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. So you have been, you said you've banned red for the last It's been
1: been banned ever since long time before I had my own business. Actually, I was, I was working in high school and I was just not using red.
0: Oh, yes. Okay. I was going to ask what your teaching background was. I I forget when I learned that, but if a student sees just a sheet of red, it just is negative anxiety and then it discourages them from continuing. So I'm so glad you said that. Absolutely. Um. Okay, and then another thing that you mentioned that I really like to tell my students over and over again, if you are communicating with me and we're having a conversation and you make a tiny little error, I'm not paying attention to that. I'm just trying to communicate. So, right. Um, comprehension is key. I'm not trying to get perfection of perfectionism.
1: Oh, yeah, that is absolutely important, actually. Maybe you should dwell on that a bit more. It's mm-hmm. important to focus on getting your point across not on getting every little bit of grammar right yeah of course there are situations where it's really important to get your grammar right so you'll be taken seriously Mm -hmm. but this is a very small portion of the situations where you have to communicate most of the time you just have to communicate and get your point across
0: yeah and i want to use a point for learning like french or spanish romance languages um some of my friends are learning spanish and i speak spanish As well. Um, And I talked to one of my friends about the feminine and masculine, and some of them are irregulars. But if I say el mesa for the table, you still understand that I'm saying I put the food on the table and that one little thing. It sounds funny, maybe, but it's not. It sounds funny for
1: sure. It's not (laughs) a problem.
0: Exactly. Okay, great. Uh, Can you give me any practical tips for practicing languages outside of the classroom? to enhance language skills.
1: Oh, absolutely. My entire practice is just practicing language learning outside of classrooms because <laughs> there's hardly any classroom in my work. I mean, I guess yeah. you can consider the one session that you're seeing me as a classroom, but not even really it's yeah. a coaching session. So while well, immersion is very important, um, I have my four steps method, which is, uh, selection, activation, immersion, and safe practice. Immersion is super duper important. It's, I call it the daily French bath because it has to be every day. And you have to put as much French or as much English, if you're learning English, around you as possible. So for example, if you're an English learner and you're currently listening to a podcast in English, congratulations, you're already doing it. <laughs> hey. So you absolutely need to do that. And then you need to grab every opportunity that you can to practice the language. Nowadays, there are unlimited options with the internet to meet people to speak the language, to watch YouTube in the language, um, to read books in the language, you know, or, or read yeah. blogs or whatnot. It's practically the opposite problem now that we have too many options.
0: Yeah. So sure. yeah,
1: grab every opportunity that you can uh, and try to find options that just make you happy and make you feel like continuing.
0: That's great. Can you repeat the four pillars? really quickly? oh yeah
1: uh-huh. <laughs> okay so it's selection activation immersion and safe practice that's four oh, okay. so selection is really you have to you have to uh, pick the stuff that is relevant to you that's mm-hmm. really it a lot of language learning methods are really not focused on what's relevant they, you know they either use a um, a frequency approach or yeah. whichever approach they've decided to use yeah. Um. the way that i do it is really i define first what is important to the student And and then I teach that, right? So activation is like the actual teaching part where we look at a grammar point that exists, for example, that you need to learn now, or you introduce new vocabulary, just Mm -hmm. you know, the first time that you see something, basically, that's that's activation, because then that will help you systematize that in the other two phases, which are immersion. So we spoke about that already, and safe practice, which is the part where you actually practice speaking or writing. I call it safe practice, not just practice because it's important to do it in an environment where you feel safe. If you have any reason to feel threatened or not super confident in that environment, then it's going to bring you not as good results uh, yeah. as it would. And not to mention that if it's really unsafe, it might bring also real life consequences.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that—that
1: that's why I insist so much on, on safe practice in my coaching practice.
0: Okay. You uh, are just lighting up the teacher in me because one of the first things we talk about is making sure the environment is safe, which most yes. people I would say in K twelve when you're learning a second language. Oh my god. Not that it's unsafe, but you don't feel safe to take risks. You can't take risks it's, to make mistakes.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean you of course you can argue in what unsafe means, you're probably not going to die, but if you're <laughs> part of a group of teenagers, y- you are putting your social status at risk every time you open your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> not what you want to be doing if the goal is to learn a language
0: yeah absolutely so oh i'm loving this um okay angel uh how can someone improve their listening comprehension especially when native speakers or non-native speakers speak so quickly
1: really immersion all the way that is (laughs) the number one thing you need to do you need to be doing it as often as possible Mm-hmm. Because you have no idea how much your brain picks up that you're not conscious of. Like yeah. The vast majority of language learning is a subconscious process. Mm-hmm. There's a very small part, you know, like the the top of the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I just made a mistake in English. Yep. It doesn't matter. We I wouldn't have
0: said anything. Wouldn't have the, even noticed. <laughs> right,
1: right. The tip of the iceberg uh, is the what you do consciously. The, the bottom uh, immersed part of the iceberg, iceberg is the whole unconscious uh, practice, subconscious practice. So immersion is super important. And then you can do specific targeted exercises to learn to find really little uh, pieces of information. Um, I like the way that the DELF is structured for the French language. Uh, That is very uh, French-focused. You probably have an equivalent in English. We have this uh, exercise, this exam, actually, that is called the DELF. It's Diplôme d'études de la langue française there are there are all six levels you know a1 to all the way to c2 mm-hmm. and there is one exercise which is listening comprehension they have uh, quite target, targeted questions that you need to answer while you listen to um, a document that has been chosen or in the earlier level uh, they make one specifically but in the higher level they just pick something from the radio oh. so these kind of targeted exercises can really help you grab little things like numbers for example Mm -hmm. like right now my students are struggling a bit with numbers in particular so i designed a couple of exercises where i pick something like a press article that has a lot of numbers and i wrote down some questions and asked Mm -hmm. them to find those numbers just to you know help them understood this understand this specifically yeah but yeah, there really is no secret, like immersion is the most important, and then you can do specific exercises uh, yeah. if you need to be more specific.
0: Absolutely. Do a lot of your clients, students, um, live in a country where the language is being spoken, or do they have to find a way to immerse themselves via YouTube, podcasts, podcasts? Uh,
1: The majority does not live in a French speaking country. I do have a few that have moved, that have already made the move and move in France. It's Mm -hmm. not the majority. The majority of them are in the US and Canada and UK a little bit, and they have to find uh, immersion for themselves. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I work one-on-one with someone, uh, the first thing I do is to create a plan for them. And it's a three page plan, three pages. No mm-hmm. free page, actually. Mm-hmm. Bit of Good. English. Grammar. I'm still learning. Three <laughs> page plan. And the last, the third page is just links to content in French that I handpicked for them with okay. their interests. So, YouTube channels, podcasts, yeah. that kind of things uh, mm-hmm. that are readily available online.
0: That's great. I am asking just because a lot of people, um, specifically some people who are learning Spanish in the US, well, we have a lot of Spanish, but then they'll say, oh, I need to move to another country because I need immersion. And yes. I usually argue, I get it's easier, absolutely, if you can, if you have the privilege and can move to another country. But if you can't, ish. there are ways to immerse yourself. Um, it changing. I would say
1: it's easier ish. Even if you do move to the country, you still have to make efforts. Yeah. And right. uh, case, in, case in point, I mean, I, I moved from France to Austria. I learned German in Austria. And then I met my ex wife who is German and I moved mm-hmm. to Berlin. And I thought to myself, OK, I'm moving to Berlin. I'm finally going to learn the real German, you know, not the Austrian variant, because people yeah. in Germany were making fun of me with my weird French Austrian accent. That was, that was interesting. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to learn like the pure German, you know, the, the real. The opposite happened. In fact, ever since I moved to Berlin, and despite the fact that I moved back to Vienna, my German has kept decreasing. Because in Berlin, I was working in an English speaking company, I was always hanging out with foreigners, and yeah. even the German people that I was hanging out with were speaking English, mm-hmm. and there just was no situation where I would naturally end up speaking German. Yeah. So it's just, it's not a guarantee. No. I, I do have, I have clients who come to me, they've lived in France for two, three years, and they can't make a full conversation in French, yeah. you know, maybe they can go buy bread, but that's it. Right. So... Yeah, you really it's its really a prejudice that we have and it's not helping you if you think you have to move to the country, because if you can't immerse yourself where you are, chances are you're not going to be able to do it in the country either.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you said that. I completely agree. And I think it's more about effort and feeling safe to yeah. take those risks and put yourself out there, um, which unfortunately I, is easier for extroverts, I think. But introverts can do it, it as well. It depends. I, I, do you want to say I'm more a, on that?
1: <laughs> yes, I'm a huge okay. introvert myself. I love okay. staying home and with my computer and you know my books <laughs> yeah, yeah, and all of that uh, and most of my clients happen to relate to that and to be introverts as well. I wouldn't say that it's easier for extroverts although introverts do tend to think that it is. Yeah. I would just say that we have to use different strategies. Okay. But, uh, in my experience introverts are much uh, more efficient at, at picking up uh, sorry picking up grammar And writing accurately or speaking accurately, with extroverts being more efficient at just speaking and not caring about the small details. Yes. And because of that, the result is that extroverts will look like they are much more successful at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but at some point they won't make any further progress, at least with French, because want it or not, that just is grammar. And beyond a certain level, you have to deal with it. Yeah. Sure, you can survive in France or, or survive. playing around with the language a little bit without needing grammar but at some point you you can't get past a certain level of complexity in what you express um, without understanding grammar and at this point the uh, extroverts who have not cared about grammar from the beginning because they just like pushed through and who cares it's gonna work you know (laughs) they struggle really hard at this point and they tend to give up even uh, quite yeah. often, not all yeah. of them. I mean, of course, some of them are very tenacious, they make it through. But sure. while introverts will have a slower start and they tend to be um, much more successful over time mm-hmm. because they will learn patterns and systems, at least with the way that I teach, they will learn patterns and systems that will help them go faster, do not go further. Uh, in the end, it's going to be actually faster because they won't have to. Like, I've met people who were at this stage where they were stuck in the middle. Yeah. and they have made like for sheer willpower being like yay i can do this i can speak this much but i can't learn more and yeah. especially my grammar is completely broken like they get they realize that that they have no idea why the verb is like this or like that yeah. for example and then when i have i guess someone who's in that stage mm-hmm. i have to like practically break, break them down to build them back up i don't like this this metaphor but that's really how it is i'm like yeah okay like here obviously like you haven't learned the, the gender together with the known from the beginning onwards so now you have to relearn them all yeah that's going right. to take you a lot of time if you learn them from the ground up it's easier there's right. a way of learning that is much more efficient if you do it step by step mm-hmm. even though it appears to be fast to be more effort I guess at the beginning and yeah. introverts are better at that
0: yeah definitely oh I'm so glad that you said that and um, I can speak from experience there I am much more extroverted and I was always the one ordering when we go out to eat in Spain and I was trying to make Spanish friends. Right. And then I got to that intermediate plateau where I could not learn the subjunctive. <laughs> I hate the subjunctive in Spanish. Ah. It's so difficult. Um, and then I, you know, it took me a lot longer than some of my friends who were more focused on that grammar right. point.
1: So, we all hate the subjunctive in Spanish, we... <laughs> in French. Yeah, actually you.
0: I know. I, actually, most of my friends who speak Spanish don't know what it is. I'm like, oh, how nice that you don't even have to learn mm-hmm.
1: it. <laughs> I know, which is why my girlfriend can't explain to me why it's wrong when I speak.
0: I know. She's like, I'm you're like, just saying it wrong. <laughs> but why? Yeah, <laughs> so, Yeah. So uh, definitely. Okay. Um. Another thing we talk about, a lot of my students are at the intermediate or advanced level. So we discuss idioms and expressions. Yes. Do you have any advice on how I could effectively use idioms and expressions in my conversations to sound more natural? Or do you have an opinion right. on that?
1: Um, yeah, I find that a way that helps with idiom is, and it helps with vocabulary and speaking in general, is the idea of learning in chunks. So rather than learning a word, one word at a time or one on an article, which is already better, learn a chunk. Uh, one article, one on one adjective or learn the verb in a sentence, for example, that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And if you're already used to doing that uh, with the chunks that have a more literal meaning, Mm -hmm. it's a a lot easier to learn a chunk that's actually an idiom. Um, If you learn, for example, with a translation, you write your your chunk and you write the translation, you can just as well write the idiom and the corresponding idiom, if there is one, uh, or or the corresponding meaning. And it, it works just the same.
0: Yeah, definitely. To give an example, you said the tip of the iceberg earlier. Yes. So you're saying instead of learning tip, iceberg, all of that separately, you would or maybe you're learning the word iceberg and then you can find the expression that goes with that or something like that.
1: Yes, for example, so in the case of the tip of the iceberg, if I translate it into French, it becomes quite different. It's la partie émergée de l'iceberg. Okay. pretty different. It's not le, le dessus de l'iceberg or whatever. So La partie émergée de l'iceberg. Yeah. And so if you come across once the, the expression tip of the iceberg, then you can write it as partie émergée de l'iceberg or, or vice versa. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, you might learn tip of the iceberg together with iceberg, if if that makes sense. Like if it's the first time you find the word iceberg, of course, you can also learn that expression.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's great. And Just... a thing that you can do also,
1: Also, like if you're really interested in idioms, is to just seek them out because you have no idea how many uh, websites just compile them.
0: Yeah. You can find them. Absolutely. Translations
1: into if you're learning English in your native language. Yeah. For
0: sure. Uh, Does French use idioms as much as the English language?
1: Oh, yeah. Maybe more. I don't know. So, yeah.
0: Once you start, it's, and then it's really fun when you get to that level of language where you understand what people are saying, but you have to ask what it means and then you can talk about it. So that's also a lot of fun. Okay, I have one more question for you before we uh, get to the quote or idiom um, related to our topic. What would you say to someone who wants to improve their English pronunciation and reduce their accent? And you are the perfect person to ask this question to.
1: (laughs) Is it a compliment on my accent?
0: well we all have an accent but I would a lot of my students are trying to yes, get rid of yes. their accent and I, I try to encourage them not to and explain so I would love to hear what you have to say about that
1: yes okay I, I absolutely agree with you that uh, getting rid of your accent is most often not the right target now don't get me wrong there are cases where your accent will be an issue mm-hmm. but in most situations it's actually kind of nice to have an accent like mm-hmm. i try to really teach my client that what they want is not to transform into a native but be, be the same person that they are with an additional skill which is really different so if you are for example like a lot of my uh clients are american women mm-hmm. if you're an, an american lady which is like you know has culture and a profession and, and you're like this kind of like you have this existing personality really like identity even why would you strip that away it took you four or five decades to build that you want to throw it all away just to adopt a french accent that right. that does not really make any sense what you do want however is for your pronunciation to be good enough that you'll be always understood so yeah. that is a really a difference like if your pronunciation is good enough that everybody understands them and it does not interrupt the flow of conversation Mm-hmm. You don't care that you have an accent, which I hope is the situation that, I am at, that I'm at right now. Yeah. You could even say that my accent is part of my personality or my brand image. I'm a French learning coach. Part of my work is that I'm a French native and I know the French language very well. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I have learned English and you can tell that I have learned it because I don't sound like a native. I sound like I am French, but just a good English speaker from with a French background. Mm-hmm. That really helps show that. What I have done, and it's even an argument uh, to trust me, basically to trust that I have indeed built expertise in this area. Mm-hmm. So, of course, for yourself, you have to think of how does that apply to you. But in most cases, you will be better off having a slight accent than pretending you're a native and having people just not believe you about all the experience in the background that you have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I like that you mentioned it's a skill that you're adding, so it's just it's just yes. proving you speak more than one language, which is amazing. Yes. So I'm always fighting the accent reduction. And I agree, you need to be able to comprehend the person. Yes. But the worst thing you're going to hear is what did you say? Or can you repeat that? And um, I'm not trying yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, I- one other thing I wanted to mention, though, is I know some people do have bad experiences with it. But mm-hmm. I always say that says more about that person than it does about you and to just keep moving forward if you do have a
1: Bad experience with it oh yeah if you if you pardon my french i mean there are assholes in every country
0: yeah okay
1: (laughs) and if it wouldn't be for your accent it would be for something else like let's be clear if you start deciding to give in to everybody's demand it never ends yeah absolutely so you know you have to draw the line somewhere and it is true that there are situations that unfortunately a particular accent will stop you from getting a job for example
0: yeah, right. Uh,
1: that is, however, a relatively rare situation that only some people will encounter. That does not apply to the vast majority of language learners.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we'll have to do another episode on, I believe the, t- the title of that is linguicism. Have you heard that before?
1: Linguicism. Linguicism.
0: Yeah, so like any um, ism. Like... Is it like
1: racism, but for languages?
0: Yeah, and for accents I, I don't know the term,
1: but I can speak about it a lot, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I would love to interview you about that. That's one thing that sure. I'm really interested in that topic, and uh, it is absolutely uh, a problem, and we can we can dive into that further uh, and just keep this one to learning languages. <laughs> yes,
1: I would complain a lot about Austria if you, inter- if oh, you interview me you? about okay. that.
0: All right. We'll save it for the next one. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Um, well you've made it to the end of the podcast and the last part is always, um, a quote, an idiom or an expression related to today's topic, or you can just do one that you enjoy or you think my, my listeners might enjoy.
1: Mm, Let me think.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Let's go with, uh, That's an English idiom, but jack of all trades, master of none, often better than master of one.
0: Oh, great. Okay, repeat it one more time.
1: Jack of all trades, master of none, often better than master of one.
0: Perfect. And And it's
1: very important to not forget the end, right? Because it's better if you master, or not master, maybe, if you can speak several languages you probably will be better off, or at least a more uh, rounded up. Can you say that? round up human, mm-hmm. uh, a more
0: more well-rounded,
1: uh, well-rounded. That's the word. A more yeah. well-rounded human
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, than if you speak only one language and you never have any experience beyond that one language.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. Perfect for today too. Uh, does that translate to French directly, or is there another um, one?
1: No, not really. We don't. Uh, maybe we do. Uh, I'm going to give you a French one uh, okay. that will be perfect for that. Esprit de l'escalier." Uh, it's not something that most French people use. I think it's a bit old-fashioned now, but some of my students love it, uh, because it means the spirit of the stairs, uh-huh. and it's the situation where when you left the situ- you have left the conversation, later on, you think, "Oh, I should have said that.":
0: Oh, yeah. And I'm practically
1: guaranteed that it will happen to me because I'm sure that in French there are some equivalent or not an exact one to one of you know that idiom, but it's not (laughs) coming to me right now. And probably you'll get an email tomorrow (laughs) or next month. By the way. Yeah, by the way, I
0: I remembered it. I know. The spirit of the stairs. Yes. okay, I love that. And that happens to me all the time.
1: (laughs) It happens so much, right?
0: Yeah. That's great. Okay. And then one last thing, where can my listeners find you? Um, can I put anything in the podcast description? Uh, I do have people who want to learn French, so I'll send them your way, but how can we, how can we find you?
1: Absolutely. So I have a website, net. You will find everything you want on that website. Uh, I have a blog with a lot of information about language learning. Great. Almost all of it is applicable to English as well, and it is in English. So for your immersion practice, don't hesitate to read my blog. And if you want to learn French, you will find links. You can book a call with me to discuss it uh, if you're interested in a coaching program. And also you can find me on social media with at French fluency um, on YouTube. I have a lot of videos about this topic. Uh, most of them are in English. Almost all of them are in English. Okay. So, yeah, you're absolutely welcome to um, check out my content and reach out to me um, mm-hmm. if you're interested.
0: Oh, we absolutely will. I don't. I will because I'm actually trying to learn French. So this is perfect. But um, Anshel, this has been amazing. It was super fun interviewing you. And I do hope you'll come back for linguicism. I think that would be fun.
1: Anytime. Thank you for having me. Mm
0: All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the English with Grace podcast. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you did like this episode, please go ahead and like and subscribe and keep an eye out for more episodes coming soon.